The music's on, the disco ball has dropped, and it's time to get this party started. You're listening to episode 38 of Disco Trek, a Star Trek Discovery after-party podcast here on the Tricorder Transmissions Network. I'm your host, Heather Barker, and with me, as always, my most favorite Jeff, Jeff Hewlett. Nice to talk to you again. How you doing? Um, hanging in there. How are you? Hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Aw, like the little kitty on that poster, that like yeah, motivational hang in there. poster. Hang in there, little kitty. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to be back together. For those who aren't familiar with the podcast, we're a community-based podcast focusing on each episode of Star Trek Discovery as they air. Tonight, we'll be talking about episode 10, The Red Angel, this monumental, crazy episode. With us to talk about the Red Angel are two of our very great friends. Our first, you have heard him before, but he's going to tell you a little bit about himself. He is network friend Carl Wonders. Carl, welcome. It's been a Hi, while. Heather, how are you doing? It has been a while, <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited to be back on and, and talking some more Discovery with you. Uh, it, it's, it's been several months, at least, since uh, I last got to chat about... Uh, something Star Trek related on the network. So it's, it's great to be back. Um, I, uh, I think I was back on this show uh, for the butcher's knife cares, not for the lamb's cry, which is oh, a bit so in the ago. distance. That was now yes, it has been. Forever. So it, it, yeah. Um, so a little bit of catching up to do, but uh, it's great to be back and I'm, I appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank goodness. This isn't a 20 word episode title episode again, <laughs> although that was a phenomenal one. All right. Well, we're very, very happy to have our STLV family here. Um, another one of our great friends, she is Anna. She just appeared on our Disco Trek supplemental, The Women, a look at women's representation in Star Trek Discovery. Anna, welcome back. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I had a lot of fun on The Women Part 2, and I can't, um, Part 1, sorry. I can't wait for Part 2. Uh, I am originally from San Antonio, Texas. I'm 41 years young <laughs> and have been a Trekkie since about age five. I fell in love with Mr. Spock and uh, I think I still am. So <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy, very happy to be here. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Oh, we're happy to have you here. I think we'll have some Spock talk for sure in this episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're going to hop into our discussion here in just a second. But first, we have some housekeeping to do. We have changed the way that you participate in Disco Trek. So now, if you aren't already following us on Twitter, follow us at Disco underscore Trek. You can also find us at Disco Trek on Facebook. And then you can join the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group on Facebook. All of those are gateways onto the show. So what you do now, you'll see a new post. We will have some information on the following week's recording time and a contact form. So you follow the form, you fill it out, and you will be entered to appear onto the show. Um, we've started to pick people on Friday now instead of Saturday to give us a little bit of time in case someone can't make it. Um, so just keep an eye out that way. We will email the winners. Um, and so we've been announcing them on all those platforms as well. So it's, uh, the response has been phenomenal. We're super happy with it working this way. So we're going to continue to do that. Um, in the meantime, we would love for you to engage with us, any of those platforms. We'd love to hear your feedback. We also have a Patreon. Our Patreon has been really busy lately. Yeah. Jeff, do you want to 
tell us about Patreon? It really has been, yeah. Like Heather said, we have a Patreon page. You can find it at patreon.com slash the tricorder transmissions or by visiting our website, thetricordertransmissions.com, and clicking on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. So if you enjoy what we do here on Disco Track or any of our other Tricorder Transmission shows, uh, please think about joining our list of patrons, which is growing and growing and growing. So uh, becoming a patron uh, at any level will give you instant access to our unedited episodes and early release episodes. They show up a few times a week, so you'll be getting a lot of bonus material Uh, That's included before and after quite a few of our shows. And we also have brand new tiers that we launched a few weeks ago that will give you other benefits as well. So feel free to visit our Patreon page and check out all the amazing benefits that we have for all the different levels. And we do have one new patron this week. He's been on the show before, and that is Green Tip Guy. Uh, Thank you for becoming a patron at the Trellium D level. And I think this is a Disco Trek first, or even a Tricorder Transmissions first. Um, this might be a little awkward, but uh, because this person's actually on the show right now. Uh, <laughs> we have another, another patron who is up their pledge level and has become our second Harmonized Omega Molecule Patreon member. Thank you to Mr. Carl Wonders uh, for, oh, for doing that. Oh, you're uh, putting me on the spot here. Yeah. But happy, happy, to do, happy to do it. I've I've gotten... Many, 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 many hours of enjoyment uh, listening to this network. So it's the, the least I could do. Well, that's what we want to hear. We just want to bring uh, all of our thoughts about Trek and, the, and the, the community's thoughts about Trek out to the rest of you. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that, that you had so many hours of fun listening. And you've been on so many of our shows, and I'm sure you'll be <laughs> on more in the future. Anytime. I'm always happy to talk Star Trek with any with, – uh, you know, the, I, I've said this before, but the positivity that this network brings uh, to the conversation is kind of unique in that it's one of the things that I really love about the network is just how it's not nitpicky. It's not anything like that. It's all very positive and, and always a wonderful conversation to have with, with a bunch of Star Trek fans. So always happy to do it. Man, my heart, my heart can't take it, guys. Like, I'm already a little bit high on Star Trek right now. Like, I just watched, rewatched this episode. I only got to watch it twice. It's like, that is sad, twice. Uh, so, like, between having just watched the episode and then reading all of the quotes out of Paley Fest, which was going on today, they had a huge chunk of the discovery cast there just talking about their experiences and really feeling the love. Like we, we like to help continue to spread that love here at our network. So that resonates with me very strongly. Um, So here's the thing. This episode had spoilers. Like it had some big stuff happen. (laughs) So don't, well, I guess we have the spoilers. The episode was just awesome. Uh, so if you have not seen it, please don't listen anymore because some stuff is going to go down and we don't want to ruin it. So please go watch it and then come back. Our show is segmented into three sections. We have Drop the Record, which is our opening remarks, play a new track where we explore what's new about the Star Trek universe and spin it again as our look back at standout moments, scenes, characters, just about anything you feel is worth a second glance which I feel is this entire episode, so I'm already spoiling my thoughts about it. But let's go ahead and drop the record. Anna, I want to hear all about what you thought about this episode. 
Oh my gosh. Um, I've seen this episode three times already. Um, <laughs> you know that exploding head emoji on the uh, wall of phones? <laughs> That's me when I first saw <laughs> when I first saw the episode last Thursday. Oh my god, so much going on, lots of great moments where many of the characters they really shined and I think it had a wonderful opening scene with Ariam's funeral where Tilly, Stamets, Detmer, uh, Burnham um, gave beautiful eulogies, as well as Saru's um, uh, Kelpian song. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought that was very, very moving. Um, some of the other, I guess, scenes that were really wow to me were um, the scene between Spock and Burnham, where finally they talk and forgive one another and that look of relief on Burnham's mm. face and that emotion mm -hmm. it was just so beautiful to uh to view and uh I, I really enjoyed that interaction as well as the scene between uh Ash and Burnham where you can clearly see even though they don't tell, really if I remember correctly they don't tell each other they love each other but you can just see it in the way they hold one another and the way they look at one another and the way they mm -hmm. speak to one another that was just very evident um, I also uh, love the scene with uh, Giorgio Stamets Colbert. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love that. And uh, where Colbert says, uh, "Did you just call me Poppy?" <laughs> and, and they just she just walks out, and Tilly is just like, "Oh my God, what just happened?" So I just I loved that scene. So uh, yeah, I was just laughing laughing my butt off. But yeah. So those are the those are the uh, the ones that, that obviously there's others, but those are the ones that really stuck out in my memory. Yeah, I have two pages of notes, and um, a quarter of the first page is like a bunch of the quotes from the funeral, because uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah, that that whole scene, um, and and I don't know, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to talk about like linking this funeral scene and the last episode together, and like redemption for those who were upset about how Arium was handled like I don't quite want to go there um yeah. mm -hmm. I I think that the things uh, what stood out for me like because the first time I watched it you know I just I watched it without notes or anything like that and I thought it was just having come from my grandfather's funeral which nobody got up to say anything uh oh, wow it well and it's a weird thing and it's I think I talked part of about it last week was that um people did come up you know through the service throughout the the what what the not the viewing I guess it's the viewing I don't go to a lot of funerals guys um mm -hmm. but one of the things that affected me very deeply aside from my my own grief and how I was processing my grandfather's death was the the words that people were saying about him to me as they came up and so it, 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 it's a powerful thing for me to see who a person was through someone else's eyes, right? And to see the influence that they left behind and that they made on all of these people. And the writing for this scene was just so on par because of the, the mm -hmm. things that were said, yeah. like even Stamets talking about that she was happy with her husband and that together they made the universe a little less orderly, I think winds mm -hmm. up being applicable to his own relationship mm -hmm. with Culber. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. 
And Detmer saying that, you know, she showed her that her augmentation didn't make her an imitation of herself. It made both of them new, which again, like (laughs) so relevant to what Culver's going through. But anyway, I won't go through all of this. There's just, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. Carl, I think you're champing at the bit to jump in. So tell me what you thought. uh, No, like just to to bounce off, you know, first what you said about the Detmer moment, especially because that's, that's something that was kind of, has never been really talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she's on the ship early in the first two episodes, and then she's apparently injured during the Battle of the Binary Stars. And the next time you see her, she has some kind of cybernetic augmentation on her face, and they never talk about it. And that's kind of typical of Star Trek in a way, where it's like, oh, the technology kind of came along and solved a problem. And this is the first time they really even address, you know, that could cause some kind of psychological trauma mm-hmm. in a way. And to have that addressed in the in the context of the funeral of of, of Arium, I thought was was really well done. Um, I'm actually uh, confession to be one of the people who initially kind of was a little negative about the last episode, and I think I had I struggled with how to frame my comments about it. Where you know, I was saying basically what it ended up boiling down to the more I watched the show and then watched this episode was this is the stuff I wanted the whole season I, or mm-hmm. even the whole show um, yeah. where the, the thing that really struck me, not so much individual scenes, although we can talk about that too, was how this, this, this and last episode were really such character focused shows. And these are, these are, you had these sequences of almost exclusively one-on-one character moments where you had mm-hmm. Saru and, and and Leland and then you had Burnham and Leland and then you had Burnham and Spock and you and and the characters were finally driving the narrative in yeah. a way that just made me so happy um and it's something that that and I'm not saying that the the show and the season up until now has been a disappointment to me because it certainly hasn't but so much of it seemed plot driving character rather than character driving plot yeah and finally get the characters kind of steering the story as it as they would in in real life um i i really appreciate it um the 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 scene with with spock and burnham certainly is a standout to me um where you know he he's like he comes in and he's talking and and he's kind of being annoying Spock as he's been for, for much of his time on the show. And, but then it comes around to him saying, you know, I wish I'd been there when you punched Leland, it would have, you know, yeah. given me some satisfaction or something, which is kind of finally when he's breaking out and becoming um, some version of the Spock that we know and love from before. Cause I can see that type of conversation happening in, in other incarnations of Spock and um, one moment that wasn't talked about, and it was a really small one, but I think it's also meaningful and kind of goes to what I see as the main point of this entire episode, which is sort of a um, forgiveness and redemption kind of story, which is when um, that little short scene between Nan and Burnham, mm-hmm. when when they kind of admit to each other that they're both glad that the other was there to help. Um, because you could see how Burnham would say, would be blaming Nan for Arium's death, but that's not what comes out of this, that, that scene at all. It's very much a kind of acknowledgement of each other's role in what happened and, and a kind of forgiveness in a, in a sense from, from both of them that, that of what happened and, and acceptance and moving on. And, and I think that that was certainly something that seemed to run throughout the entire episode. 
I noticed also in that scene that uh, Nan says, after seeing how hard you fought for her, the real her, I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for you too. And I just... I, I get like I just I don't know I I love the feminism of discovery. Like, <laughs> I, I, I I tweeted about this earlier because I you know it was like the there's no real you know, like there's no real feminist agenda out there, guys. Like we just want to like respect and uplift and empower women. Um, but really? yeah, like discovery <laughs> as yeah as Anna and I have talked about and and our yeah. whole two hour first part of an episode <laughs> about women in, in discovery. Um, they're doing something very different, and for for two women to to come together and not just talk about Arium, you know, as this augmented, like very alien type human. Um, it's like they they recognize who who she was, and and I think that maybe there's a message here for all of us about what we think about somebody versus who they really are and what we're looking at. Um, I think, you know, we're all sad. We didn't get to see more of this really beautiful person. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just, Mm -hmm. I really loved that line and that there was just a focus there on, on the person that the Arium was. Um, Anna, did you want to chime in? No, I I would completely agree with what you said. Absolutely. Um, I would have to agree also with what you said about the, there's no feminism, feminist agenda. Like you said, it's, you know, we want to be able to empower women and of course be treated as equals. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, we obviously know that in this day and age, that's still an issue. Uh, Even though, you know, if you look back, you know, a hundred years prior, I mean, we have come a long way, but it, it's still an issue. And one would hope that in the 23rd century, that will no longer be an issue. So I'm, yeah, there's no feminist agenda. It's just, you, we want to be treated as equals and yeah. seen as equals. So yeah. Well, I'm on, I'm on board with Star Trek's <laughs> feminist non-agenda. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. It's, it's something that's been a part of Star Trek for a long time. It's, it's just discovery does it louder, as I've said. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think it's just, it's, it's great for everyone. And it's just a really powerful thing to see women friendships, positive women friendships, women talking about other women, because while it has been present in Star Trek before, it just hasn't been quite at this level. And I think mm-hmm. that that seeing women in this way is good for all people. Jeff, Jeff, you're over there. I want to hear what you thought about this episode. Wow. So I, I feel like I should just mute myself for the rest of this episode and let you guys go. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm unfortunately I'm going to be that guy. Um, oh no! Yeah, and Uh-oh. this obviously is uh, you know and and you know I, I've men- made mention of this stuff on previous episodes, so forgive me if I'm a broken record, but uh, I, I felt like we're kind of getting back to that rushed, compressed, so much going on in one episode uh, discovery, and uh, I don't I don't know. It, it just felt like so much to take in and felt so heavy. Uh, to me, I, I had uh, you know, a couple issues with the time travel aspects and 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 the Red Angel misdirection and reveal. I'm kind of getting tired of that whole like, oh, here's what it is. Oh no, it's not kind of thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, we see it coming a mile away. Um, let's just be 
real and and let's just have a story to be told and and we don't need to be misdirected and surprised all the time i feel like it's kind of a an overused uh plot device but uh that said there were a lot of powerful scenes in this one you guys have referenced quite a few of them uh i had marked down the funeral scene uh what was incredibly moving uh the scene between stamets and and colber that brief little interaction was really impactful i really love that that brief Saru moment with Leland where, you know, he had kind of come out mm-hmm. and said, I was testing you. I mm-hmm. wanted to mm-hmm. see who you were and if I could trust you. <clears throat> I love this new Saru and I, I wish we, I know we're going to get more of him. I wish we could get more of him uh, now, but I don't know what it is. And I, I know I've said this before, but I feel like the drama is just so heavy. And this is just a, a me thing because I've just gotten to the point in my own life where I had so much drama to deal with every single day at work. I don't want to have to come home and watch more people's drama on TV. I'm like, I kind of miss the hopefulness and positivity in Star Trek. And I just feel like every episode is like, oh God, I have so much to think about now. I just want to come out feeling good at the end of a Star Trek episode, not, you know, beating myself up. Yeah. Like, oh God, more drama. Yeah, it's like, I get it though. I like, see that. I, you know, I was in a similar place, Jeff, where, I know, I know. and I think even Carl, like, and I, I, Anna, we haven't talked a lot about it, you and me, but like, mm. there were, uh, brother was, was fine. Like the, the opener. Okay, great. You're setting us up. Let's go. New Eden knocked it out of the park for me. I thought Discovery has found its place. And subsequently, like every episode, like, probably the next three or three episodes after that really weren't my favorite. Although like Oval for Charon was loved by so many people. Um, mm-hmm. And, and those like just didn't work. Like people were crying when Saru was dying and I'm just like, I'm not I buying this. Though. He's not dying. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. what I mean. I, that's exactly what yeah. I mean. It's like, it seems like so many of these episodes have this kind of like, you know, red herring, that you're supposed to buy right. into. And now we're like, okay, mm-hmm. we bought into so many red herrings before. We're not going to be surprised anymore. <laughs> just, just, just do it. Just well, don't misdirect I... us. Just let the story out. So I, I, I have, Oh no, I have, I have like three things in my head floating around now after this conversation um, to, to Jeff's point about the, the misdirection, I completely agree. And I don't think it's unique to discovery. It's no, something it's that's, that comes up and I, and, I honestly think some of it is the the loss of these self-contained stories where, you know, in classic Star Trek, you I, I hate to use that term because it's as if this isn't Star Trek or it isn't going to be classic Star Trek in ten, five years. But in in like, say, TNG, you had a an arc through the through the episode and you had a resolution at the end of that episode and these stories are meant to link together like chapters in a novel and it's starting to read almost like a dan brown novel although better um (laughs) where they always have that twist that makes you oh i gotta read one more chapter now Uh and instead of having resolution to the story they turn everything on its head to propel you into the next episode and i'm i i agree with jeff i'm getting a little frustrated with it um as far as just just tell a straightforward story and don't if the writing is good and i I would argue that the writing has been much better the last the last couple episodes than the ones previous to to heather's point you don't need to do that that's kind of a something that that less talented writers would do uh to maintain interest um and to 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 heather's point i i also agree that um you know i i 
really liked the, the initial episode. I really liked um, New Eden. I liked a couple episodes here and there, but to me, and 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 again, to Jeff's point about the compression of the story, I this is going to be a bad analogy, but and thinking about it, it, it feels like if if anyone ever played the game Risk or or oh, something yeah. like Risk, where it takes mm-hmm. you like an hour to set up the board, mm-hmm. and then by the time you <laughs> yeah. set up the board, you're like, I don't want to play this game anymore because mm-hmm. it just took so long to get everything where you needed it to be, and and I feel like this this the series has spent so many episodes getting all of the pieces on the board, so to speak in the right place to finally then start telling a story that now they only have how many episodes left to actually tell yeah. a emotional narrative with characters. And, and I wish that, and we'll see because I think it looked like in the trailer for the next episode that the Klingons are going to be involved again. But like, aside from getting Ash on the enterprise or getting him toward enterprise, ugh, <laughs> as far as getting Ash on the discovery, um, <laughs> I don't like that the the was it point of light or something like that like that yeah. episode to me is is easily the bottom for the ser- the season for me. Yeah. And so much of that I don't understand why we spent the time we spent on it. Maybe it'll make sense, but again that's a little bit not ideal storytelling in a way where you, you have this episode and you're like why why did we spend an hour with these characters who I liked from season 1, don't get me wrong, but they didn't seem to propel the overall arc that they're trying to tell this time very much. And I kind of wish they'd spent more time on developing Arian's backstory or other things like that. And yeah. not that, mm-hmm. and the last yeah. episode, the um, project Daedalus episode was fantastically written. And I, I, and I apologize to anyone who thought that I was ripping on the writing of that episode. I wasn't, it's just that I wish that its story had been told over the course of multiple episodes instead of just one, I guess. Yeah. And that's that's totally reasonable and valid. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of that episode again, because it's just like, sure, no. even like I had so much stuff, like I even wanted to say myself and I'm like, you know what? Nope. Like, I'm just done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to engage in that. Like for me, it it worked beautifully. Yes, I would love Mm -hmm. to have seen more. I just have to say while we're talking about her that um, seeing Sarah Midditch walk back on the bridge, um, all I could see were those little hot flame emojis um, because, (laughs) and this had to do specifically with her. And we don't know, at least I don't know, um, the full story of what exactly happened. There's been a lot of speculation that she was allergic to the makeup or just it was too much for her or she had something else she had to go to. I don't know, but it was just kind of, I thought it was kind of a cool moment as an actress to be like, all right, I left. This is what we did. And now I'm back. And now you can see my face or so. I don't know. Like I just, there was something sassy about that moment for me, even though it wasn't like sassy in the episode. I don't know if that makes sense. You guys, does that make any sense? No, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'm I'm glad to see her back as Lieutenant Nilsson and and curious to see what all happens. Uh, but that was such a little power moment there. So the the big reveal, like you know, following up with what Jeff was saying, I I was really I was going to be really disappointed if Burnham was the angel, <laughs> but uh-huh. only because like I was really excited that for the most part, really. Everyone, you know, thought they knew, 
but no no maybe one person i one person on twitter that i follow apparently had guessed that the angel would be burnham's mother and i never saw the original tweet so as far as i knew nobody nobody got that guessed it yeah and it was just funny to me that the writers are almost like psych like yeah <laughs> Nope, like you think you figured, and I, I kind of, I love this engagement from the writers, whether it's intentional or not. I just really loved that it was like a lot of people thought they had it figured out, and we get told immediately, like in the cold open, it's you, Burnham, and it just blew my mind. Like by the end of the episode, I just absolutely adored that it wasn't Burnham. I doesn't, I, I don't know how it's all going to make sense, like. The, the time travel yep. stuff, I don't know. I don't even care because I just <laughs> so much enjoyed that like two out of 20,000 people, I know that's not right, but you know, <laughs> nobody really figured it out. And to me, that was just so phenomenal that in these two episodes, we've had a death that no one saw coming and a reveal that very few people had guessed and I don't mind like being here for the ride now because I feel like mm. watching Star Trek is like watching a movie. And this the this episode, just everything that happened really blew me away. So I'm I'm on board with wherever we're going. I don't know where we're going. And I think that's another thing I love about this season is I just don't know what's what to expect. Yeah, and it's it's such a refreshing change from, I think, the first season when it seemed like every fan theory panned out, at least the ones I was seeing about, uh, you know, where the Enterprise, or, God, I did it again, where the, discovery, <laughs> where the Discovery ended up at the end of the first half of the season, who who uh, uh, Lorca was, mm-hmm. and, and who the Emperor was, mm-hmm. and all of them, everyone kept seeming like they were one step ahead of the writers, in a way, and... Yeah. I, I enjoyed um, it not being who the obvious choice was to, according to the, the, the unofficial Twitter poll. Um, <laughs> that said, I also appreciated the fact that when I went back and watched the episode a second time, it made complete sense that it was Burnham's mother, mm-hmm. that there were, there were enough little breadcrumbs sprinkled, especially in that scene between with uh, the scenes with Leland, uh, where it made yeah. sense that it would have been her mother so it's not like they just pulled it out of thin air or other places no it was set up if you were paying attention and 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 not that you would ever guess it but on a second viewing it kind of rewards you for paying attention and catching those little bits that were sprinkled throughout you know i'm sorry mr negative chiming in again (laughs) turn off mute you know as a guy whose biological father disappeared and i never got to know him i was kind of mad at burnham's mom she had time travel technology. She could have come back yeah. and said hi at any time and said, "Hey, I'm your mom. I'm still alive." Uh, I don't. I don't. I didn't get that. I was a little put off mm-hmm. by that. I mean, I, I was glad that it didn't turn out to be Burnham. Like Heather said, I was a little like, "Oh God, I hope it's not future Burnham." That would be very contrived. But I mean, I'm glad they, they didn't go that route. But at the same time, it's like you know, she could have gone back at any point in Burnham's childhood. You know, she has that Maybe. technology. She could have gone back there and just said, hey, you're not alone. You know, you're not, you know, the you're not without your parents anymore. You're not stuck, you know, just trying to live in Vulcan society. I'm here for you and I'll be here anytime you need me. 
But no, she didn't do any of that. Well, she can. I mean, they can't have yeah. an actual relationship when they're not in the same time. And she could, I um, think for, uh, I I'm glad that you brought this up only because I want to point people just to, uh, so I, I don't, I don't know his, the actual handle. Um, Jeff, the colonist is his Twitter something mm-hmm. name. Um, but he, he brought up about, um, you know, being an adopted person and the, <laughs> the difficulty of, you know, she, she thought her parents were dead. And so not having that connection, not having those people there and then having them plopped back into your life and how difficult this may be. Um, go find him and find his thread about it because I think it's really important to hear that perspective. But yeah, I'm not sure. Like number one, I think it's going to be explained why I this was so. set up this way. Um, I am finding now that these the things that I have questioned all the way back even to Carter, like I'm on a different train now with Colbert. I still think there were problems, but you know, they were they were very quick to say, trust us, trust us. And I have very much settled into trust us because I feel like these episodes are giving us answers that weren't there in the past that, you know, we can only talk about an episode with what we've seen. We don't know what's coming. So of course we're going to talk about things that don't make sense. But I, I do think that 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 question will be answered. I don't think it would have been possible for her to have any kind of relationship with her yeah. but i'll tell you i, I would have loved to have seen some... in this episode or or in, hopefully in a future episode well they won't do this but i would have loved to seen burnham's mother show up with that red angel suit in that friggin' house where the klingons were killing her family and kick some ass with that red angel technology because she totally could do it uh i don't know why she doesn't but i guess we'll find out more about that in the future um well and, and i won't I keep, I keep thinking about the whole Vulcan saying the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few yes. or the one. Yes. So I keep thinking of that. So I think like Heather says, it's going to be revealed. And I think there had, it had to happen in that manner because they did say that the red angel was coming back to prevent decimation of all these planets. So is she going to, you know, essentially screw with that plan just so she can come back and see her daughter? Or is she going to continue on with a plan and let it fall into place the way it should to prevent the decimation of all these planets? So I'm, I'm thinking, of, thinking of it in that aspect. I get what you're saying. No, I, and I get what you're saying too. Yeah. But I mean, the Klingon war was super destructive too, and she could have stopped that. So I don't mm-hmm. get what but the could she have? Like, I, sure. yeah. I, I don't even, like, the time travel... I don't particularly know how she's able to talk. Like right now we have a variant, which is, you know, Michael's life being in danger. Um, And and that is the thing that's bringing her back. We don't know what she's, you know, the, we just don't know anything about how this is working right now. So I don't Mm -hmm. feel that it's necessarily fair to say, why didn't she do all this stuff when we don't even know the details of what's like how it's working yeah, and what's go going what, on. As you said, okay. you have to know. You have to go with what you what you've seen. And she chose to come back to help the Kelpians, and she chose to come back to help the people on New Eden. 
So it's really weird, the choices that are being made. And she comes back, obviously, to help Burnham not die. But I, I, I'm sure we're going to get some more information on this in the future. But it, it, right now, it seems very kind of haphazard. And there could have been some other choices uh, made since she seems to be able to go back to and do, you know, direct them to do whatever she thinks should be done. And I killed the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to follow it up. Um, the inherent problem with time travel. Mayhaps. Mayhaps. Um, there's just lots of questions. I, I assume we're going to get answers, even though we've only got four episodes left. So sad. So sad. I, I don't want to think about sad. that. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> there are so many notes in front of me that we haven't even talked about. Um, let's let's move move into um what is it play play Playing a new track, track. sorry <laughs> i put my notes down <laughs> ah, okay. oh drop the rec- oh we did drop the record so play a new track is next yeah. yeah i'm just like screw it all let's just talk about all the crap in this episode because there was too much too much but everybody did their homework so i don't want to throw your homework out the window so let's move <laughs> into play a new track let's talk about Things that we learned that are new, which, I mean, the Red Angel is Burnham's mom, but there's other stuff to talk about. So, Carl, yeah. besides the Red mm-hmm. Angel being Burnham's mom, what else did you find that was new in this episode? Um, so, the biggest thing plot-wise, and this kind of goes back to, to Jeff's comment, is apparently the, the Federation or Section 31 has been tinkering around with time travel uh, for a long time, trying to figure out how to do that in some sort of dare I use it, temporal Cold War-esque kind of situation here with the Klingons. Um, the, the thing that kind of sticks out to me a little bit is is how many different ways we have now come up with to do time travel in Star Trek, and none of them are ever consistent. Um, going from something called time crystals, which I'm frankly not a big fan of, to slingshot around the sun, to, oh, we just wanted to go observe Earth for a pilot for a series that never happened. Don't forget cold starting uh, the engines. <laughs> cold starting the engines. Uh, we have chroniton particles. Um, so here's yet another way that uh, we have that the, the Federation has attempted to and apparently succeeded in, in doing time travel. Um, and I, again, I, I, I don't want to judge and I, I was being very quiet during the last discussion because I don't want to judge where they're going without knowing what they're doing, which make, and, and the writers have made, you know, mm-hmm. gauging the show very hard because they are doing that thing where they withhold information from the audience until mm-hmm. later. So I'm kind of withholding judgment about, does it make sense that it's Burnham's mother? I'm wondering if the red angel turns out to not be Burnham's mother the whole time. Um, but we'll see, I guess, in the next in the next four episodes. Um, I'm I'm actually kind of curious because this never came up, and I and it was another scene that I had written down. But um, the scene between Culber and Cornwell, mm. what people thought of that? Um, I actually because enjoyed I'm, that. Yeah, okay, it um, I I'm, I'm glad they went there. Um, I thought. Cornwell did a great Counselor Troy impression by not really being very helpful at all, uh, <laughs> and and yet Bert, yet, yet Culber kind of left with a like a little smile on his face, feel, feeling apparently seeming to feel better. I don't know if he is or not, but yeah. since oh. that never came up in the last section, I kind of was hoping that that would come up uh, in discussion too because it was kind of the the one 
you know, quote unquote, big scene that never got discussed before. Well, I had it in my notes to discuss it. So well, um, let's go. Let's talk about it. It's it's worth being talked about because we don't get to see a lot of mental health representation in Star Trek. I mean, yes, Troy was there for the whole series, um, but it it has not been the best. Right. So, Mm -mm. Jeff, Jeff, you have things to say. Well, well, the only thing that I'll say and I'll I'll let you guys go on with it. But the, the Cornwell saying that love is a choice that's something that resonates with my personal philosophy uh, on life and, uh, you know, emotional choices. And I was kind of glad to see that on a Star Trek episode. Um, you know, I know that's not the way most people think. Um, so kind of having my own thought processes acknowledged in Star Trek was nice. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that, but, um, that was just a kind of a nice personal moment for me. Anna. Yeah, I'm, and I was I was actually looking it up right now. I was trying to remember that um, that statement that Cornwell... I can read it to you. I yeah, read that statement. I... Read it. <laughs> so, so this is what I took. This is what I wrote down out of this episode. The things that okay. stood out to me were a Colber saying, "I've never felt more alone in my life," uh-huh. um, and he talks about you know, that he, he doesn't feel like he's enough. He wants to be enough for the man that he knows loves him and that he used Mm -hmm. to love. And she said, love is a choice, Hugh. And one doesn't just make that choice once one makes it again and again. The only way to make a new road Mm -hmm. is to walk it. Exactly. That's, that's what I was looking for. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. The um, again, the writing. This was written. This episode was written by Chris Silvestri and Anthony. I can't read my handwriting. Marinville, I believe. That's a weird last name. I can't read my handwriting. Uh, yeah, it's you know, I uh, yeah, Marinville, I believe. Sorry if that's wrong, Anthony, who doesn't listen to our podcast. Um, so with what you said, Carl. Obviously, yeah. like we we're we're not going to get you know, a real laid out therapy session. Um, No, of course not. Of course not. What I found here in in this scene, what mattered most of all is that Colbert just needed to talk to someone. He Mm -hmm. just, he just needed that empathy and basically for someone to tell him everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, I was just really floored to see a beautiful moment between two doctors and a yep. doctor realizing that he needed help. And so who does he go to a psychologist that's on board? So like, it's just important to show these moments and show even doctors need therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he even thinks that uh, when they're down on the uh, planet to do the, um, the trap for the red angel, uh, he even tries to make an attempt to speak to Samus, but mm-hmm. Samus is like, look, this is not the time right now. Oh. But I mean, and you see that, that, you know, willingness, you know, to, to get better. So mm-hmm. um, I thought that was very, very powerful, even though it was very, th- th- that particular scene was short, but, you know, it's yeah. not the point across. It's, it's been well, interesting and- to, to watch Culber like start to come to terms with this because, you know, we mm-hmm. left off with him telling Stamets he needed space mm-hmm. um, or to, you know, for them to, to move on. They need to move on. 
And then it turns into Spock and Colbert and Spock saying, or Spock saying to Stamets, you know, Colbert doesn't necessarily need space from you. He needs space for himself to figure out what is going on. And Mm -hmm. even in the funeral scene, Colbert was emotionally responding to Stamets talking about um, Ariam and her husband. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, like we get the scene with Colbert, we get the scene, we get the scene with Stamets, Tilly and Georgiou, which we'll, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but Georgiou actively sensing that, you know, the man, male tension or whatever she called it, like yeah. she knows there's something going on there and she's working to be like, look, like you, t- you love each other. Like you, you may be in a place where a lot doesn't make sense, but don't forget about what you have. Um, mm-hmm. at least that's what I took from it anyway. So to me, I just, I totally understand that the scene and, and what he needed. I was just in this situation yesterday with a friend, like I, I suffer from depression and anxiety. I have PTSD. I go to therapy. Um, and when I see friends hurting, like I'm just that I want to be there for my friends. And I had a long conversation with a friend who's in a similar place. And she's like, all that I need is to just talk to somebody and to receive empathy. And mm-hmm. so like yeah. that is very much what this scene was for me. And I think the writing was still like so beautiful um, and, and different. Like Jeff said, like a lot of people, you know don't look at love that way um and i think it's just setting up very nicely for this you know eventual reunion that i hope we get uh mm-hmm. with Colbert and stamets uh any any final words there carl no i was i again i was just curious uh to hear your take i think you know everyone's points i i are resonating with me a little bit here as I'm just listening to you talk about them. Um, and then the, the, the line that wasn't mentioned that really hit me a little bit was, was, you know, when Stamets continues and says it might never be the time to yeah. have this conversation. Like, like, you know, it's almost, it's almost a be careful what you wish for Dr. Culber moment where, you know, he says, I need you to back off in a way and not push this. And then, you know, now he seems to be finally coming to, some sort of resolution for himself. And it's, it's, you know, I'm sure everyone has experienced this where, and this is feeding into another scene, but you know, where you, no matter how you resolve an emotional situation, you can't undo things that you've done or said. Yeah. And, you know, you might come around to, okay, I'm willing to give this a go, but then what you've done or what you said, or even just your absence has caused, pain for the other person and then they are no longer in a place where they can make that uh, commitment to you anymore. And I, I'm really hoping that that's not the, and I'm pretty sure it isn't going to be yeah. the resolution of the story. Um, but that, that moment really, cause I kept thinking, Oh, this is, you know, Stamets has been always the one pushing for reconciliation mm-hmm. with Culber and to finally have it kind of go the other way. I, I thought was, it, it it hit me. Yeah, <laughs> it broke moment. my heart. Yeah, broke yeah. broke my heart. I was just like, no, yeah. no, we can't. No, and, no. And so. and I'm still trying to wrap my head around that that last little look that Giorgio is giving um, after Culber walks away, because I it's like, what what is she going to be doing? 
because she kind of was eavesdropping in that moment. And yeah. I've seen so many different so many different takes on that, and I don't know what to think of it at this point. But I, I just think that she's going to be involved with these two people in some way, um, and I hope it's a good way. But you never know with Giorgio, apparently. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I also hope it's a good thing. I yeah. uh, again, that's another rabbit hole in it. We're already like not doing well on time here, so uh, I. That's, that's my fault. I'm talking too much. It's been it's, so long. I've been talking. Much. No, no, you know, this is, it, it, there were, as Jeff said, like, there was a lot that happened in this episode. Um, there are a lot of things to talk about. And I think that my biggest takeaway right now from this discussion is that, at least for three of us, <laughs> this, this episode resonated fairly deeply because of that connectivity and character development that we saw across mm-hmm. the board. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's given us moments of reflection because even within these, you know, minutes long interactions, there were still powerful things like with Giorgio and Burnham, when they were together, you got an, you know, hints of obvious care for each other, despite that, you know, we're often led to believe that Giorgio is not trustworthy and Burnham strongly dislikes Giorgio. But you can tell that they are still seeing parts of the other version of them, but then also developing their own relationship with each other, which again opens the Giorgio box of is or is not a character as such redeemable, which I don't want to go down it because it's going to be a three-hour conversation. Um <laughs> But this just happens repeatedly. I think the only scene that there that wasn't necessarily touching um, was was Saru and Leland. Uh, though Saru did say, like, I do think that you're going to take care of our ship and you know all of these people, but he doesn't necessarily trust him. I mean, even with Burnham and Leland, like Leland feels terrible for what he did. Like you can tell that he regrets it. So in all of these, we're seeing emotion. We're seeing mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. connecting or people, it, well, Burnham did punch him twice. So yep. that yeah. was, yeah, that was but that. It, but again, like how many of these scenes seem to be revolving around the idea of somebody made a mistake and they're looking for uh, be ab- absolution in some way mm-hmm. or another? Um, it just it it's like almost every scene there's somebody who's apologizing to somebody else and it and the drama comes from how that apology is received. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes sometimes good, sometimes, you know, in the case of Leland's nose, not so well. Um and and again, like we you know, we keep talking about these things for at length, but I think that again, to your point, that's that's the the great thing about having these character driven episodes where it is all emotional. It's yeah. not point A to point B, it's 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 the stuff in between that's that's worth talking about. And it's one of and the I, things I, I, that I up anime, so. um it's one of the things that I truly love about Star Trek in general is that I've I feel that Star Trek tries to teach us how to communicate with one another. And you know, especially in TNG, like you know, it was to a point where like you know, there there was no conflict. We work together and work things out. We communicate all the time. We talk about our feelings. We talk about what we like and what we dislike. 
I, I feel like Discovery is just so much more raw because the characters are so much more raw. These aren't perfect characters. They're all flawed characters, but there's still this message of going to people and talking about your problems, um, you know, having conversations where you don't always punch people in the face. I get why she did it, but still. Um, and just coming coming to a place of absolution or a compromise or something. And that's just the building blocks of, of humanity and how to make humanity work. So um, anyone who says Discovery isn't Star Trek is hasn't watched that. That's terrible. Um, it, that element is there. It's very prominent and it's really important to me because I just it's something Star Trek has done for a long time um, that I find super valuable. Anna. Do you have anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you learned that was new or you just want to talk about? Uh, actually, three things. Uh, first of all, I had no idea Doug Jones could really sing so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I had no, I had, I had no idea. Um, I actually had tagged him on a tweet to uh, Star Trek CBS and I asked if it was really him. He actually responded back to me and said, yes it's really me and I guess responded back to a couple of other people and finally just did a all-out tweet and said yes it was me singing <laughs> thank you everybody for all the compliments so I thought that was very cool um the other thing getting a little bit uh more on the serious side um I thought uh, actually going back to Leland what the heck happened to Leland? He yeah. got poked in the eye by that weird contraption thingy. And <laughs> I've seen a couple of conspiracy theory people saying, oh, well, you know, that's just the way that contraption was set up. And did you see how his eye was re- uh, regenerated when he goes through the process? And other people were saying, no, he was sabotaged by Giorgio. So I don't know what happened to Leland. And that is like the question foremost on my mind right now what i thought it i thought it was control like i thought it was control has infiltrated the ship and Uh has and and you know i don't know whether he's dead or not i'm thinking no Uh but i i kind of thought that was just an action of control like the way that it turned his voice into like a computery voice or whatever it did mm-hmm. that that whole scene i was just like what the what uh, it just was, kind of <laughs> dropped and then it went away from it really quickly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i don't know um, carl what did what do you think no i'm i'm on board with the the control theory just because uh early on in the episode they talk about how um you know they destroyed the base but you know they said we're sending out an alert to all section 31 ships to make sure yeah. that they're not compromised um, and then there was that whole idea of the, the, the AI can come through the wormhole with, with the angel. So maybe that's where it was. I, I've also read some theories that, that, that Tyler's involved somehow, which I don't really buy at all. Yeah, no, no. But the, the fact that it basically mimicked his voice and responded to, to Tyler, um, makes me think it, ha- it has to do with the, the control thing and, and control. not some, yeah. some sabotage, some, some person on the ship. Yeah, Jeff, what do you think? Do you think it was control? Do you think it was something else? Uh, well, I I came away thinking it was the alien AI that they made mention of earlier that was invading the system again. Um, I think it was, uh, you know, the, the failure to get the uh, the sphere data. In the previous episode, the AI has to come up with something new. Uh, we don't necessarily know what that is yet. 
Uh, maybe Leland was getting in the way of that. So I, I kind of thought that those little and I was a little I was questioning the design of those eye pieces that they would have spikes that would slide out of them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, I took it as they went through his eyes and into his brain uh, and and therefore took him out. Um, there, I mean, there could be so many other things that we could derive from that. And, you know, something that I thought was this gives Georgiou her chance to ascend to the captaincy uh, mm-hmm. of that ship, which she's been looking for a way to do for several yeah. episodes now. Uh, and I think now she's yeah. got her opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, my, my theory was it was the, the alien AI coming up with plan B. Yeah, I guess I should yeah. clarify. Like, I am just assuming right now, based on what I know of the novels and everything else, that that, that AI is controlled right now. Um, and that may be different from what other people are thinking. But that uh, that's what I, I thought the same thing as Jeff. So, Carl, I don't know if you're think if, if that was different from what I was saying. No, no, I meant, you know, the, okay. the, the AI that's that's taken over control and, yep. and took the yeah. area. And, and, yeah, so not, not so, the original, not the original right. program. Right. The new yeah. So I think we're all pretty much on the same page there. Um, did you have one more thing, Anna? Uh, actually, I did. Um, when and, and we kind of already touched base on it with the conversation between Leland and Burnham, where he reveals that actually her parents were essentially the creators and engineers, so to speak, yeah. of the Red Angel suit. So I thought that was wow. Okay. Her performance so, uh, there was like, man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was intense. It was a very intense scene. All right, Jeff, what about you? Did you learn anything that we haven't talked about? Well, all of my points have been hit on so far by everybody else. The only thing that I have left is that uh, the exosuits make them look like stormtroopers. So Star (laughs) Wars connection there, but they really look like stormtroopers to me. But uh, everything else that I had in my notes were things that were brought up uh, prior to this. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much on the same page there. Uh, so let's go ahead and move into the last segment. Uh, spin it again. Is that right? <laughs> it is. It's terrible, guys. It's like I don't know my own show. Who am I back to? Anna? Yes, like you, you can start us off with your standouts, scenes, moments, characters, themes, the whole episode, however you want to do it. Go for it. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I'm back to that exploding head emoji again. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's, I would have to say that it was the entire episode. It was everyone, really. I mean, from Burnham to Stamets to Cornwell, everybody. I mean, really, Spock, um, Leland. I mean, everybody had their part to play and they did it well. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it was, and I, I do agree with. Uh, what, with what Jeff said about it being compressed uh, a bit. Uh, but that being said, sometimes life can be that way. And I do think sometimes, you know, not always, but some of these episodes do sort of mimic life. You can just kind of be getting too many things at once. And that's, you know, that's kind of how it felt. Um, but uh, that's what I guess would be it, I would say about that. <clears throat> Great. Um, Carl, what about you? So, um, you, Heather, you mentioned this, but um, I want to shout out again to uh, Sonequa's performance in that scene with Leland, where she manages to go from kind of disbelief to, you know, sadness that her parents were lying to her to this 
anger that comes out. Um, and I'm certainly no actor. I don't know how you do that tear thing that she manages <laughs> to pull in that scene. It's just remarkable to me. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, she's, she's, everybody on the show has been so good in pretty much everything, but that even elevated it another level for me. Um, and then to kind of go, go back to one of Jeff's comments a little bit, um, if, if I had one thing to kind of, kind of grimace at a little bit, um, the only thing I don't like about this connection between Leland and Burnham is it kind of shrinks the universe a little bit. And it does things that sometimes the JJ films did, and, and especially to, to mix fandoms a little bit, the Star Wars universe tends to do in that everybody is connected to everybody. Um, and I would have kind of preferred to not have a connection between Leland and the parents of Burnham. Cause now Burnham seems to be the most connected person ever in Star Trek. <laughs> in terms of how, how her life has affected everything around yeah. her. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's not to say that I don't like the, the, the direction and, and certainly we wouldn't have had the scene that we got, which is, which is fantastic. But um, I'm hoping there's some kind of explanation for why, um, you know, Burnham is, is, connected to pretty much everybody we see on screen now it, when when she started out as being some person that that you know Lorca plucked off of a transport ship at one point so I have but, the theories and I won't go deep into the theories of what could uh, happen with Burnham but given that you know we don't have a history of Burnham uh, right. in Star Trek after I think that I think that they're they could spin it in a way of making it an allegory of how one person can have such a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I have no idea. I, I'm hoping that we get, you know, six more seasons, billion more seasons of Discovery. Um, mm-hmm. And and however long Sinequa is there, uh, I hope she's there the whole time because I just love her. But uh I am curious to see, like, I, I do, I get it. It doesn't bother me because like, we're just very much living in this tiny little discovery world right now. Um, we've gone a few places, but for the most part um, with, with the inclusion of, of Pike and uh, Spock and others this season, we've really focused on all those core people. Like we haven't mm-hmm. really, the story really has never gone much further than those things so that the containment doesn't bother me a lot but i still do also agree with you um okay <laughs> yeah and jeff jeff what about you any final shout outs wow man lieutenant nelson got some side eyes when she came on the bridge didn't she <laughs> that kind of I, me a little bit. Was, I think it was just a very soon thing <laughs> i know it was too soon but they need somebody in that position i guess they do so they do but there were some nice nods too. There was some acknowledgement there. But seriously, um, you know, you guys all know, everybody that listens to the show knows I love to pick on little threads and wonder where they're gonna go in the future. And one thing that we haven't mentioned on this show yet is that um, uh, you know, we found out in the last episode that Irium is the first cybernetic human. And now her body's been shot out into space. So what's gonna happen when some alien race finds that body? Um, we know as Star Trek fans what happens when our probes and satellites get found by alien races. They come back as these uber villains and things. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see Arium back again in some <laughs> other form. Yep. 
uh, maybe like a nomad or a V'ger or something of that nature. I don't know. <laughs> maybe she's the genesis the of the Borg. Borg. Who knows? Um, but I think it's a little dangerous to shoot her body out into space. But that's Star Trek for you. So um, I think we have a vehicle for Arium to, to show up again in the future. I think that. between that and whatever, you know, what's been downloaded into Discovery, there's mm-hmm. there's multiple options. Oh, yeah. For the, yep. the Arium to continue. Definitely. Doors hey, open. Heather, yeah. I completely forgot to do my shout out to uh, Doug Jones and Anthony Rupp. <laughs> I was going to do a shout out to both of them, only just because I, I love how they're interactive with the fans. I've interacted with both of them on Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, I think on Instagram and I've haven't met Anthony, but I've met Doug Jones, who's an absolute joy to speak with. So I wanted to give them both a shout out, as well as Ethan Peck, who yeah. I think has really tapped into his inner, inner Leonard Nimoy, mm-hmm. has channeled that. that, has yeah. added his own spice to it. And really, he's, he's done an incredible justice to Spock. So I wanted to, to say that. And then to my niece. Ava, who's going to be turning nine in several weeks, and she's a Trekkie. And I do mention her. I do mention her because I think it's really important that our generation passes on the Star Trek legacy to Mm -hmm. the other generation so they can appreciate Mm -hmm. it, learn from it, and pass it on to their children because Star Mm -hmm. Trek has been so pivotal in breaking down these um, social barriers that really hinder us as human beings. Think about it. I mean, it should not matter at all who we love, how we identify, what the color of our skin is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And to me, Star Trek Discovery holds true to that message. And they embrace mm-hmm. that. So I just wanted to say that. Off my mm-hmm. soapbox. Sorry. I, I'm going to take your comment and segue into one of my things, which we talked about a little bit, because it has been something that as a queer person with lots of queer friends like it has popped up in my timeline and everything else Mm -hmm. um i absolutely adored the fact that aside from just saying you do know he's gay right (laughs) which was just the best in that scene with stamets tilly Giorgio, and colber um getting uh, guys like i (laughs) just hearing like yes it has been extremely meaningful to see an out gay couple on star trek to hear the word gay on star trek just like the smile on my face i don't know how i didn't break my face because i was so happy and there has been a little bit of criticism because giorgio referenced mirror stamets and said that he was pansexual and Mm -hmm. i will totally say for everyone out there yes i get it People that don't know, they're uh, look at DS9, and this isn't just Star Trek, but there's, uh, I hate to use the word trope, it's totally a trope, where queer people, especially bisexual people um, and pansexual, which is, is very similar, get mm-hmm. put into this, uh, you know, they're all evil characters or just yeah. somehow malevolent, and that does happen and it's a thing that we do want to avoid and so that that criticism is very fair and mm-hmm. I, I did a tweet thread about this so I'll do my Twitter at the end so people can find it because it's I, I typed it better than I'm speaking it um, we don't realize with tropes like uh, a lot of people don't even realize what they are uh, there are tons of straight people out there watching this, not even thinking about the fact. They're not thinking, oh, well, that's mirror universe person, so they're definitely evil, therefore all bisexual people are evil. 
Like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. happen that way, but when mm-hmm. when you see something over and over and over again, it it tends to happen subconsciously for some people, and that's where it becomes dangerous. Um, yeah. So I think that the criticisms of that and and how you know Colbert's been handled, just how the the whole story arc, you know, it's it's gay people and a tragic situation. Mm-hmm. I think all of that criticism is fair, and I think it's important to hear those voices. But for me, a pansexual person, I have had far more people show interest in saying, what what does pansexual mean? Googling it, talking about it. I've seen that this has been a very positive experience for me. And again, that might be a different experience from what someone else is having. But I... The intention here, and and apparently even like Anthony mentioned in a tweet today, like he didn't even realize this trope, this, you know, bisexual is evil trope existed. So again, like everyone out there, surprise, queer people are not homogenous. We don't all think the same thing. We don't all know the same things. And so I'm not going to go out there and say these writers totally aren't aware of the tropes. I think Mm -hmm. that the intention behind this is important. And what I saw was a confident woman stepping in to try to potentially rekindle what's going on there and say, you know, get over all of this. You you two are here. You have a history. You love each other. I'm going to spice it up a little bit. In my world, we have pansexual, bisexual, gay people, like straight people. We have all kinds of people and it's Mm -hmm. normal. Like this was a positive delivery with positive intent. And while criticism is fine and fair, I think it's really important to acknowledge that. Well, and I was I was yeah. happy to see that scene in a way also because it kind of it I, it still makes me cringe a little bit, but less so now um, is the scene in Will You Take My Hand when, you know, it seems like George O was going the same route, Heather, that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm I'm the mirror version of George o and I have these sexual proclivities that only quote unquote evil people would have. I mean, it, it played like the attendant Kira stuff which is just painfully dated to me right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and to have, and to repeat that so many years later um, in season one really kind of made me un, un, unhappy. Um, but to see that continued in a more positive way this time around, I thought kind of almost made up for a rather clumsy uh, writing moment there, I, I would say, uh, at the yeah. end of season one. They're like, I definitely raised my eyebrow because I'm like, what? Well, we're getting like the, you know, uh, and this is what I, I, the reason that I raised my eyebrow is because I know automatically that, that there is going to be criticism because discovery is too diverse. There's too Mm -hmm. much representation because these are things that I see on the internet that people say about discovery and Mm -hmm. that I, you know, I don't care about that, but it matters to me. Like, it matters to me as a queer person, because you're saying, what, we can't even talk about the kinds of people we are? Because how many shows Mm -hmm. have you ever heard about a pansexual person? You just, you don't. And there was was really nothing in that context that actually said anything negative or bad. I mean, basically, at the end of the day, Giorgio is saying, hey, over in the mirror universe, we are fluid. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. we like sex. Um, cause yeah. she's, she's talked about that a lot. And that's another thing that we don't necessarily need to shy away from. I know like there's not a lot of outward sex in Star Trek, but it does happen. We yeah. know it's there because we're all human. 
Um, and uh, to me, it felt if it felt more positive than it did yeah. negative. And, and that's what I take said. away from it. And she even and, said, stop being so binary. I think she yeah. even told, right. told yes. them. Don't be so binary, which you yeah. can actually go buy a t-shirt. We'll talk, I'll yeah. say that at the end. <laughs> um, that it was an unintentional, well, I'll, I'll talk about it later. But yeah, I just, that that moment, that whole moment that regardless of the quality of the writing, the way that it was delivered between every single mm-hmm. actor and then Tilly at the end saying what just happened. Like yes. that's how I felt about the whole episode when it was over. It was just like, what? Like it was just, I just, I really, really loved that moment. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about the funeral, obviously that was really mm-hmm. important. And I do want to end this with a quote from Burnham. I'm just looking over, you know, the Colbrand Cornwell scene was super meaningful for me. I love the music in this episode. Um, yes. <laughs> especially like, I, I'm surprised we haven't talked about having to watch Burnham die, uh, which we don't need to because that was horrific. But the music sequence during the setup for that was holy, mm-hmm. like, holy cow. I mean, again, that's why yeah. like Discovery has just elevated Star Trek to this cinematic quality where I feel like I am just watching a movie every time and it's such a fun way to experience Star Trek. Um, I think it's, I think Discovery is doing movie Trek better than any of the movies have done. And I know that's a big statement and everyone can disagree with me. It's just what I take away from it. Um, Mm -hmm. So really quickly, we'll go around any final thoughts, Jeff. I don't think I have anything else to add besides what I've already said. I I will uh, acknowledge uh, something that Anna said. Uh, I should have said this earlier, but Ethan Peck is very impressive uh, as a a lifetime fan of Spock, as I've said many times on this show and other tricorder shows and, you know, someone whose life has been influenced by Nimoy's original portrayal of Spock. uh, I've been increasingly happy with his portrayal each episode. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to meeting him at STLV and yeah. uh, getting a photo op with him um, and, you know, shaking his hand and, and telling him that, you know, I appreciate all the work that he's put into this role. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I feel like I've talked too much. So yes, I'll just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anna, any final, final thoughts? Uh, no, pretty much covered them. Uh, I do hope that we see more of and he's my absolute favorite. I love Doug Jones. He's just such an awesome individual. But I really hope we see more of Saru and see if he will finally have his own command. I would love to see that. So, I hope so. Sure. I call the the yeah. new Saru, I call him Power Saru. Like he's oh my power God, now. Like yep. I don't know. It's yeah, I like it. I have a beautiful Saru. My friend Patrick, who's been a guest on the show, sent me this very beautiful bust of Saru that I am so happy to get to stare at every time we record now. So it's like if y'all haven't bought the bust, you should because it's really amazing, especially for Saru fans, mm-hmm. Anna. Like Yeah. No, actually I do. Uh when uh Doug Jones came down to uh Texas, he was in Laredo a couple months ago and uh I bought the uh the bust and he signed the back of it. So, ah, yeah. I've got to take mine to STLV to get him to sign it. I oh, definitely, definitely, oh, just phenomenal. But here, here on Saru and Carl, any final thoughts? Um, I want to agree with Heather what you said about the music, especially the last two episodes. Again, I think 
Jeff Russo has really stepped up his game. Not that it needed stepping up, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know, not only that last scene, um, the the music in that scene between um, Spock and and Burnham was really lovely. Um, and I, it sounds to me like he wrote this really sad little theme for Arium that is throughout <laughs> the last episodes that that I just I love as well. Um, and it would be against my brand to not bring <laughs> to not say something. And it was in my notes. <laughs> I forgot. Um, and other than that, I, I don't really have much else. Uh, I also agree that Ethan, that, that, that Ethan Peck has been fantastic, um, as Spock. I loved his last little exchange with Burnham right before he leaves to open the door, um, at the end when he says something like, you know, if you were to die, I would be responsible for killing another, a Starfleet officer again. Therefore your, your survival would be, I forget the word he uses, but fortunate or, or something Something very, it was Most very spot. Imperative or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. So I, I, and he's he's really. I just see Spock now when I see him, which is all an actor could want. I think. Uh, yeah. Is to kind of he. I don't see Ethan Peck the actor. I'm seeing Spock, which is yeah. which is great. And, I'm. I see. Uh, I, I, no, go ahead. No, go. I finish your thoughts. No, I'm just saying that I, I really anxious and looking forward to the last four episodes of the season. I very much am on the the same page with Ethan Peck. And I think I mentioned before um, last episode or whatnot, go listen to the well pod. Um, He has a couple episodes there that um, Anson Mount interviewed Ethan Peck and they're just, they're really great. And yeah, they are. I've listened to them. Yeah. One of them has like his last day on set and the words that he said um, and I can't, like, I can't even really talk about it because it's just, it's, it's a very emotional thing. You know, I think Jeff and I very much share this connection with Spock. Um, and I, a lot of people have talked about like comparing Ethan Peck to Leonard Nimoy. And I don't think it's fair to compare anyone to Leonard Nimoy because there is mm-hmm. only one Leonard Nimoy. There's also only one Ethan Peck. Um, mm-hmm. I think that he has done he has shown such great respect to both the role and to the actor Leonard Nimoy uh, and doing his research, like getting things down to saying censor, which uh, Claire pointed out in a tweet that just went (laughs) crazy, but it's, you know, I think a, a lot of people may not necessarily have gotten it. I think, you know, uh, people who know Leonard and who have been with Star Trek for a long, long time got it. Um, But there are a lot of people that are new um, who it may have passed by. So I think it's important to point that stuff out and just the the reverence. um, uh, Getting it down to like things like that and the cadence and temper of or timbre of his voice. It's just really phenomenal. I felt in the moment in the gym with Spock and Burnham, like I very much felt like Leonard was there. (laughs) Like, like he, he, he honors the character in a way that it is so reminiscent, reminiscent of Leonard's work, but also being entirely Ethan's. um, Hopefully that makes sense. But I, again, like Jeff, I, as Jeff said, I can't, I, I'm saving my pennies. That's one of the few photo ops I'm going to get. Um, you know, just so we can all shake his hand and say thank you for doing such a phenomenal job. Um, so at Aram's funeral, there was this quote that I want to end the show on because I think it 
not only speaks for Discovery and, and Star Trek in general, but for Phantom. And, and it was Burnham's quote. And she said, there are so many reasons to join Starfleet. We get to reach for the stars. We get to reach for the best in ourselves. But most importantly, we get to reach for each other. We get to do what we love alongside colleagues who become friends, who become family. And while we don't all work together as fans, I mean, you can say we work together to uh, preach the, the message of Star Trek. Uh, we, we all become friends and family, and that just resonated so strongly with me. Uh, I really encourage people, if you didn't uh, follow the, the live tweets from the Paley Fest event that was today, which was uh, Sunday, March 24th, go do that. Uh, the love and camaraderie and respect out of this cast is just such a beautiful, wonderful thing. And more than any other cast, I just feel like these people understand Star Trek and truly represent and share <clears throat> um, the, the spirit of Star Trek. And they're just it's it's worth worth a gander to go see all the wonderful things that they've said about each other and the show. Um, so thank you, Anna and Carl, for coming on and talking to us again. I will be speaking to Anna again very soon for part two yeah. of our Women in Discovery podcast. And hopefully, Carl, we will talk to you again sooner than later, sooner than season three. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, very quickly, let's go around the table and just tell everyone where to find us on social medias. Um, Carl, go for it. So you can usually find me poking around on Twitter. Um, my handle is at listening to film. Um, that's really the best way to get hold of me uh, online. Excellent. And Anna, where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter, and my handle is Darth Anna Two Ends Seven Seven. Excellent. Jeff, are you alive out there on the internet? I am alive out there on Twitter at Warp Factor Jeff, and I think I finally fixed my notification problem. <laughs> so if you actually mention me or send me a DM, I should actually get a notification now. <laughs> I don't know. It was messed up for a long time. Uh, I think I finally got it working again. I hope so. You can find me at uh, LLA Prosper on Twitter. Uh, our show is at Disco underscore Trek. We are Disco Trek on Facebook. Um, you can also find us in the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group, which if you're planning to go to STLV in something like 128 days, then that is your one-stop shop for all the information you need to know, as well as our Shore Leave podcast. Um, so definitely check that out if you're planning to attend. Um, you can find us at the tricordertransmissions.com uh, Disco Trek the tricordertransmissions.com is also where you can find that contact form. If you're not on social media, you can just go straight to our webpage. Um, we would love to hear from you and to get you in the mix. Uh, we pull the names out of a hat, just like magic. And that's how we, okay, that's a lie. We use a generator. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so, so much. Um, yes. I can't wait to see what thank happens next week and to talk all about that. So uh, until then, Thank you. please remember to spay and neuter your triples. The end. <laughs>